Chapter Three of Rose and Bloom by Louisa May Alcott. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Maria Therese. Chapter Three, Miss Campbell. While the travelers unpack their trunks, we will pick up as briefly as possible the drop stitches in the little romance we are weaving. Rose's life had been a very busy and quiet one for the four years following the May Day when she made her choice. Study, exercise, housework, and many wholesome pleasures kept her a happy, hearty creature, yearly growing in womanly graces, yet always preserving the innocent freshness girls lose so soon when too early sent upon the world's stage and given a part to play. Not a remarkably gifted girl in any way, and far from perfect, full of all manner of youthful whims and fancies, a little spoiled by much love, rather apt to think all lives as safe and sweet as hers, and, when want or pain appealed to her, the tender heart overflowed with a remorseful charity which gave of its abundance recklessly. Yet, with all her human imperfections, the upright nature of the child kept her desires claiming toward the just and pure and true as flowers struggled to the light, and the woman's soul was budding beautifully under the green leaves behind the little thorns. At seventeen, Dr. Alec pronounced her ready for the voyage around the world, which he considered a better finishing off than any school could give her. But just then, Aunt Peace began to fail, and soon slipped quietly away to rejoin the lover she had waited for so long. Youth seemed to come back in a mysterious way to touch the dead face with lost loveliness, and all the romance of her past to gather round her memory. Unlike most aged women, her friends were among the young, and at her funeral the gray heads gave place to the band of loving girls who made the sweet old maiden ready for her rest, bore her pall, and covered her grave with the white flowers she had never worn. When this was over, poor Aunt Plenty seemed so lost without her lifelong charge that Dr. Alec would not leave her, and Rose gladly paid the debt she owed by the tender service which comforts without words. But Aunt Plenty, having lived for others all her days, soon rebelled against this willing sacrifice, soon found strength in her own sincere piety, solace in cheerful occupation, and amusement in nursing Aunt Myra, who was a capital patient, as she never died and never got well. So, at last, the moment came when, with free minds, the travelers could set out, and on Rose's eighteenth birthday, with Uncle Alec and the faithful Phoebe. She sailed away to see and study the big, beautiful world, which lies ready for us all, if we only know how to use and to enjoy it. Phoebe was set to studying music in the best schools, and while she trained her lovely voice with happy industry, Rose and her uncle roamed about in the most delightful way, till two years were gone, like a dream, and those at home clamored for their return. Back they came, and now the heiress must make ready to take her place, for at twenty-one she came into possession of the fortune she had been trying to learn how to use well. Great plans fermented in her brain, for, though the heart was as generous as ever, time had taught her prudence, and observation shown her that the wisest charity is that which helps the poor to help themselves. Dr. Alec found it a little difficult to restrain the ardor of this young philanthropist, who wanted to begin at once to endow hospitals, build homes, adopt children, and befriend all mankind. Take a little time to look about you, and get your bearings, child, for the world you have been living in is a much simpler, honester one than that which you are now to enter. Test yourself a bit, and see if the old ways seem best after all, 
for you are old enough to decide and wise enough to discover what is for your truest good, I hope, he said, trying to feel ready to let the bird escape from under his wing and make little flights alone. Now, uncle, I'm very much afraid you are going to be disappointed in me, answered Rose with unusual hesitation, yet a very strong desire visible in her eyes. You like to have me quite honest, and I've learned to tell you all my foolish thoughts, so I'll speak out, and if you find my wish very wrong and silly, please say so, for I don't want you to cast me off entirely, though I am grown up. You say, wait a little, test myself, and try if the old ways are best. I should like to do that, and can I in a better way than by leading the life other girls lead, just for a little while, she added as her uncle's face grew grave. He was disappointed, yet acknowledged that the desire was natural, and in a moment saw that a trial of this sort might have its advantages. Nevertheless, he dreaded it, for he had intended to choose her society carefully and try to keep her unspoiled by the world as long as possible, like many another fond parent and guardian. But the spirit of Eve is stronger in all her daughters. Forbidden fruit will look rosier to them than any in their own orchards, and the temptation to take just one little bite proves irresistible to the wisest. So Rose, looking out from the safe seclusion of her girlhood into the woman's kingdom, which she was about to take possession of, felt a sudden wish to try its pleasures before assuming its responsibilities, and was too sincere to hide the longing. Very well, my dear. Try it if you like. Only take care of your health. Be temperate in your gaiety, and don't lose more than you gain. If that is possible, he added under his breath, endeavoring to speak cheerfully and not look anxious. I know it is foolish, but I do want to be a regular butterfly for a little while and see what it is like. You know, I couldn't help seeing a good deal of fashionable life abroad, though we were not in it. And here at home, the girls tell me about all sorts of pleasant things that are to happen this winter. So if you won't despise me very much, I should like to try it. For how long? Would three months be too long? New Year is a good time to take a fresh start. Everyone is going to welcome me, so I must be gay in spite of myself, unless I'm willing to seem very ungrateful and morose, said Rose, glad to have so good a reason to offer for her new experiment. You may like it so well that the three months may become years. Pleasure is very sweet when we are young. Do you think it will intoxicate me? We shall see, dear. We shall, and Rose marched away, looking as if she had taken a pledge of some sort and meant to keep it. It was a great relief to the public mind when it became known that Miss Campbell was really coming out at last, and invitations to Aunt Plenty's party were promptly accepted. Aunt Clara was much disappointed about the grand ball she had planned, but Rose stood firm, and the dear old lady had her way about everything. The consequence was a delightfully informal gathering of friends to welcome the travelers home. Just a good, old-fashioned, hospitable housewarming, so simple, cordial, and genuine that those who came to criticize remained to enjoy, and many owned the charm they could neither describe nor imitate. Much curiosity was felt about Phoebe, and much gossip went on behind fans that evening, for those who had known her years ago found it hard to recognize the little housemaid and the handsome young woman who bore herself with such quiet dignity, and charmed them all with her fine voice. Cinderella has turned out a princess, was the general verdict, and Rose enjoyed the little sensation immensely, for she had had many battles to fight for her Phoebe, 
since she came among them, and now her faith was vindicated. Miss Campbell herself was in great demand, and did the honor so prettily that even Miss Bliss forgave her for her sad neglect of worth, though she shook her head over the white gowns, just alike, except the Phoebe wore crimson and rose blue trimmings. The girls swarmed eagerly round their recovered friend, for Rose had been a favorite before she went away, and found her throne waiting for her now. The young men privately pronounced Phoebe the handsomest, but then, you know, there's neither family nor money, so it's no use. Phoebe, therefore, was admired as one of the ornamental properties belonging to the house, and let respectfully alone. But Bonnie Rose was all right, as these amiable youths expressed it, and many a wistful eye followed the bright head as it flitted about the rooms, as if it were a second golden fleece to be won with difficulty, for stalwart kinsmen hedged it round, and watchful aunts kept guard. Little wonder that the girl found her new world an enchanting one, and that her first sip of pleasure rather went to her head, for everybody welcomed and smiled on her, flattered and praised, whispered agreeable prophecies in her ear, and looked the compliments and congratulations they dared not utter, till she felt as if she must have left her old self somewhere abroad, and suddenly become a new and wonderfully gifted being. It is very nice, uncle, and I'm not sure that I may want another three months of it when the first are gone, she whispered to Dr. Alec as he stood watching the dance she was leading with Charlie in the long hall after supper. Steady, my lass, steady, and remember that you are not really a butterfly, but a mortal girl with a head that will ache tomorrow, he answered, watching the flushed and smiling face before him. I almost wish there wasn't any tomorrow, but that tonight would last forever. It is so pleasant and everyone so kind, she said with a little sigh of happiness, as she gathered up her fleecy skirts like a white bird pluming itself for flight. I'll ask your opinion about that at two a.m., began her uncle with a warning nod. I'll give it honestly, was all Rose had time to say, before Charlie swept her away into the party-colored cloud before them. It's no use, Alec. Train a girl as wisely as you choose. She will break loose when the time comes, and go in for pleasure as eagerly as the most frivolous, for tis their nature to, said Uncle Mac, keeping time to the music, as if he would not mind going in for a bit of pleasure himself. My girl shall taste and try, but unless I'm much mistaken, a little of it will satisfy her. I want to see if she will stand the test, for, if not, all my work is a failure, and I'd like to know it answered the doctor, with a hopeful smile on his lips, but an anxious look in his eyes. She will come out all right, bless her heart, so let her sow her innocent wild oats and enjoy herself till she is ready to settle down. I wish all our young folks were as likely to have as small a crop and get through as safely as she will, added Uncle Mac with a shake of the head as he glanced at some of the young men revolving before him. Nothing amiss with your lads, I hope. No, thank heaven. So far I've had a little trouble with either, though Mac is an odd stick and Steve a puppy. I don't complain, for both will outgrow that sort of thing and are good fellows at heart, thanks to their mother. But Clara's boy is in a bad way, and she will spoil him as a man as she has as a boy, if his father doesn't interfere. I told Brother Stephen all about him when I was in Calcutta last year, and he wrote to the boy. But Clara has got no end of plans in her head, and so she insisted on keeping Charlie a year longer when his father ordered him off to India, replied the doctor as they walked away. 
It is too late to order. Charlie is a man now, and Stephen will find that he has been too easy with him all these years. Poor fellow, it has been hard lines for him, and is likely to be harder, I fancy, unless he comes home and straightens things out. He won't do that if he can help it, for he has lost all his energy living in that climate, and hates worry more than ever. So you can imagine what an effort it would be to manage a foolish woman and a headstrong boy. We must lend a hand, Mac, and do our best for poor old Steve. The best we can do for the lad is to marry and settle him as soon as possible. My dear fellow, he is only three and twenty, began the doctor, as if the idea was preposterous. Then a sudden change came over him, as he added with a melancholy smile, I forgot how much one can hope and suffer, even at twenty-three. And be all the better for it, if bravely outlived, said Uncle Mac, with his hand on his brother's shoulder, and the sincerest approval in his voice. Then, kindly returning to the younger people, he went on inquiringly, You don't incline to Clara's view of a certain matter, I fancy. Decidedly not. My girl must have the best, and Clara's training would spoil an angel, answered Dr. Alec quickly. But we shall find it hard to let our little Rose go out of the family. How would Archie do? He has been well brought up, and is a thoroughly excellent lad. The brothers had retired to the study by this time, and were alone. Yet Dr. Alec lowered his voice as he said with a tender sort of anxiety pleasant to see. You know I do not approve of cousins marrying, so I am in a quandary, Mac, for I love the child as if she were my own, and feel as if I could not give her up to any man whom I did not know, and trust entirely. It is of no use for us to plan, for she must choose for herself, yet I do wish we could keep her among us, and give one of our boys a wife worth having. We must. So never mind your theories, but devote yourself to testing our elder lads, and making one of them a happy fellow. All are heart whole, I believe, and, though young still for this sort of thing, we can be gently shaping matters for them, since no one knows how soon the moment may come. My faith, it is like living in a powder mill to be among a lot of young folks nowadays. All looks as calm as possible, till a sudden spark produces an explosion, and heaven only knows where we find ourselves after it is over and Uncle Max sat himself comfortably down to settle Rose's fate, while the doctor paced the room, plucking at his beard and knitting his brows, as if he found it hard to see his way. "'Yes, Archie is a good fellow,' he said, answering the question he had ignored before. "'An upright, steady, intelligent lad, who will make an excellent husband if he ever finds out that he has a heart. I suppose I'm an old fool, but I do like a little more romance in a young man than he seems to have.' More warmth and enthusiasm, you know. Bless the boy. He might be forty instead of three or four and twenty. He's so sober, calm, and cool. I'm younger now than he is, and could go a-wooing like a Romeo, if I had any heart to offer a woman. The doctor looked rather shamefaced as he spoke, and his brother burst out laughing. See here, Alec, it's a pity so much romance and excellence as yours should be lost, so why don't you set these young fellows an example and go a-wooing yourself? Jessie has been wondering how you have managed to keep from falling in love with Phoebe all this time, and Clara is quite sure that you only waited till she was safe under Aunt Plenty's wing to offer yourself in the good old-fashioned style. I, and the doctor stood aghast at the mere idea. Then he gave a resigned sort of sigh and added like a martyr, If those dear women would let me alone, I'd thank them forever. Put the idea out of your minds, for heaven's sake, Mac, or I shall be having that poor girl flung at my head and her comfort destroyed. 
She is a fine creature, and I'm proud of her. But she deserves a better lot than to be tied to an old fellow like me, whose only merit is his fidelity. As you please, I was only joking. And Uncle Mac dropped the subject with secret relief, for the excellent man thought a good deal of family, and had been rather worried at the hints of the ladies. After a moment's silence, he returned to a former topic, which was rather a pet plan of his. I don't think you do Archie justice, Alec. You don't know him as well as I do. But you'll find that he is hard enough under his cool, quiet manner. I've grown very fond of him, think highly of him, and don't see how you could do better for Rose than to give her to him. If she will go, said the doctor, smiling at his brother's business-like way of disposing of the young people. She'll do anything to please you, began Uncle Mac, in perfect good faith. For twenty-five years, in the society of a very prosaic wife, had taken nearly all the romance out of him. It is no use for us to plan, and I shall never interfere except to advise. But if I were to choose one of the boys, I should incline to my godson, answered the doctor gravely. What, my ugly duckling? exclaimed Uncle Mac in great surprise. The ugly duckling turned out a swan, you remember. I've always been fond of the boy, because he's so genuine and original. Crude as a green apple, now, but sound at the core, and only needs time to ripen. I'm sure he'll turn out a capital specimen of the Campbell variety. Much obliged, Alec, but it will never do at all. He's a good fellow, and may do something to be proud of by and by, but he's not the mate for our Rose. She needs someone who can manage her property when we are gone, and Archie is the man for that. Depend upon it. Confound the property, cried Dr. Alec impetuously. I want her to be happy, and I don't care how soon she gets rid of her money, if it is going to be a millstone round her neck. I declare to you, I dreaded the thought of this time so much that I've kept her away as long as I could, and trembled whenever a young fellow joined us while we were abroad. Had one or two narrow escapes, and now I'm in for it, as you can see by tonight's success, as Clara calls it. Thank heaven, I haven't many daughters to look after. Come, come, don't be anxious. Take Archie, and settle it right up safely and happily. That's my advice, and you'll find it sound replied the elder conspirator, like one having experience. I'll think of it. But mind you, Mac, not a word of this to the sisters. We are a couple of old fools to be matchmaking so soon. But I see what is before me, and it's a comfort to free my mind to someone. So it is. Depend on me, not a breath even to Jane, answered Uncle Mac, with a hearty shake and a sympathetic slap on the shoulder. Why, what dark and awful secrets are going on here? Is it a Freemason's Lodge, and those the mystic signs? Asked the gay voice at the door, and there stood Rose, full of smiling wonder at the sight of her two uncles, hand in hand, whispering and nodding to one another mysteriously. They started like schoolboys caught plotting mischief, and looked so guilty that she took pity on them, innocently imagining that the brothers were indulging in a little sentiment on this joyful occasion. So she added quickly, as she beckoned without crossing the threshold, Women are not allowed, of course, but both of you dear old fellows are wanted. For Aunt Plenty begs we will have an old-fashioned contra-dance, and I'm to lead off with Uncle Mac. I chose you, sir, because you do it in style, pigeon-wings and all. So please come. And Phoebe is waiting for you, Uncle Alec. She is rather shy, you know, but we'll enjoy it with you to take care of her. Thank you, thank you, cried both gentlemen, following with great alacrity.
unconscious Rose enjoyed the Virginia reel immensely, for the pigeon wings were superb, and her partner conducted her through the convolutions of the dance without a fault, going down the middle in the most gallant style. Landing safely at the bottom, she stood aside to let him get his breath, for stout Uncle Mac was bound to do or die on that occasion, and would have danced his pumps through without a murmur if she had desired it. Leaning against the wall with his hair in his eyes and a decidedly bored expression of countenance was Mac, Jr., who had been surveying the gymnastics of his parent with respectful astonishment. "'Come and take a turn, my lad. Rose is as fresh as a daisy. But we old fellows soon get enough of it, so you shall have my place,' said his father, wiping his face, which glowed like a cheerful peony. "'No, thank you, sir. I can't stand that sort of thing. I'll race you round the piazza with pleasure, cousin.' but this oven is too much for me, was Mac's uncivil reply, as he backed toward the open window, as if glad of an excuse to escape. Fragile creature, don't stay on my account, I beg. I can't leave my guest for a moonlight run, even if I dared to take it on a frosty night in a thin dress, said Rose, fanning herself, and not a bit ruffled by Mac's refusal, for she knew his ways, and they amused her. Not half so bad as all this dust, gas, heat, and noise. What do you suppose lungs are made of? Demanded Mac, ready for a discussion then and there. I used to know, but I've forgotten now. Been so busy with other things that I've neglected the hobbies I used to ride five or six years ago, she said laughing. Ah, those were times worth having. Are you going in for much of this sort of thing, Rose? He asked with a disapproving glance at the dancers. About three months of it, I think. Then good-bye till New Year, and Mac vanished behind the curtains. Rose, my dear, you really must take that fellow in hand before he gets to be quite a bear. Since you have been gone, he has lived in his books and got on so finely that we have left him alone, though his mother groans over his manners. Polish him up a bit, I beg of you, for it is high time he mends his odd ways and did justice to the fine gifts he hides behind them said Uncle Mac, scandalized at the bluntness of his son. I know my chestnut burr too well to mind his prickles, but others do not, so I will take him in hand and make him a credit to the family, answered Rose readily. Take Archie for your model. He's one of a thousand, and the girl who gets him gets a prize, I do assure you, added Uncle Mac, who found matchmaking to his taste, and thought that closing remark a deep one. Oh, me, how tired I am, cried Rose, dropping into a chair as the last carriage rolled away, somewhere between one and two. What is your opinion now, Miss Campbell? asked the doctor, addressing her for the first time, but the name which had been uttered so often that night. My opinion is that Miss Campbell is likely to have a gay life if she goes on as she has begun, and that she finds it very delightful so far, answered the girl with lips still smiling from their first taste of what the world calls pleasure. End of chapter 3 Recording by Maria Therese